Support for Oyster World Radio comes from you. Our listeners, if you'd like to support the show, visit the link in the show description or visit patreon.com forward slash oysterworldradio. For only $5 a month, you get all of the behind-the-scenes coverage of how these random interviews materialize, plus travel tips. So don't miss out and support the show today. More support means meeting more people that you would normally never meet, less travel headaches while on the road, and you get to learn the ins and outs of everywhere I go. Become a Patreon at patreon.com forward slash oysterworldradio and support the show today. Welcome to Oyster World. Radio. Hello, Oysters, and welcome to another episode of Oyster World Radio, the podcast where we broaden our perspectives by listening to the stories of people from all over the globe. I'm Nathan Lieberman, and in this episode, we head to the land of Guinness with Eden Dolly. Aiden is a 26-year-old mechanical engineer, and these were not the only things that we had in common. With the large Irish influence in the U.S., Ireland almost felt like home, and Aiden felt like an old childhood friend. Aiden and the family really made this Ireland trip the best it could ever be, and I'm happy to bring him on the show to share how he got to the generous, grounded guy that he is today. So for this episode, grab a Guinness, make sure the port's slow, and enjoy my conversation with Aiden Dolly. So, Aiden, welcome to Oyster World Radio. We're really excited to have you on. And how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Thank you very much for having me. Of yeah. course. So now we're here in Dublin, Ireland. It's, this has always been on my bucket list of places to go. <laughs> and you were lucky enough to scoop us up and yeah. host us yeah. in, in yeah. your place. <laughs> so you're you're a new couchsurfing host as well. Yeah, new to hosting. I have a friend who's hosted many, many people, like 500 people or something. So I've been around the couchsurfing world for a little while. Oh my God, but, which uh, is insane. Just started hosting about a week ago, yeah. Well, you, you just do- you just dove in. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. You, when we showed up, you had four <laughs> other German girls coming mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and a two, French couple two and French us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was so surprised to see you sleeping on a... You couchsurfed your way out of your own bed. You, yeah, <laughs> you're yeah. sleeping on the floor. Well, well, I'm comfortable enough anywhere. As long as I'm warm and have a, something to cover me, then that's that's totally fine. And that's definitely your personality too, as right. well. You, just, <laughs> you don't you don't need much to be happy, which is a good no, trait, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so let's learn let's learn a little bit more about you. And sure. it, it's really funny because we were talking in the pre-interview. You have a similar path to to my life growing mm, up you were saying yeah, yeah which is which is really i don't know kind of exciting to meet someone that <laughs> had a similarity with me usually yeah, yeah when we're traveling in other countries it's not as similar so no, this is a great no. break yeah but enough about me let's get to you so you were born actually born here in born, ireland born in dublin yeah and yeah. you lived in this exact house this house entire my entire life. life yeah so how does that how does that feel or how do you feel about that are you itching to get out of here or i'm i'm definitely itching to get out of here and that will be happening soon enough as you know the house is getting bulldozed and they're building all sorts of apartments on it so that's right be so on you... to bright new endeavors hopefully yeah because dublin is just exploding yeah, you know, yeah with population yeah. and work and economy yeah. which is great but then also you know yeah it... yeah like and you're a... not sad at all to see this go I mean, I've got lovely memories and stuff here, and it's an absolutely wonderful house, but at the same time, I guess I'm not that attached to the material object, like I'll always have the memories I had from here, and I'm eager to just have something different as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, and it is, it's a, it's a lovely, nice home. You grew up here, Mm -hmm. and, but, but what we were saying before, it's also a little bit, 
isolating. It's a little bit. Yeah. That's so you didn't have a whole it's... bunch of kids around growing up. Or... No, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's quite a it's quite a big house and it's on a fairly busy road, which meant as a young kid, if I ever wanted to hang out with anyone, I either had to organize with their parents for them to come over or me to go over to their house. And at any time it wasn't planned well in advance, you just ended up sitting around the house sort of doing nothing, uh, which was a bit lonely sometimes. Yeah, and you know what? I, n- I never thought about this until this moment, but that is definitely unique to at least Western cultures. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was stuck in yeah. the suburb. And there was really no kids my age mm-hmm. around, and we had to coordinate rides to my yep. friends' houses, and yeah, everything yeah. had to be coordinated. And there was yeah. a lot of time where you just sit there and stare at the wall mm-hmm. and yeah, do a whole exactly. lot of nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't know. Was that was that good? Was that a good thing? What do you think? I don't, I don't think so. I think it was, like I I think I didn't develop good social skills when I was young. Kind of maybe not as a result of that, but maybe that was a part of it. Like I, uh, yeah, I just didn't. Like, I, the friends I had were the friends at school. I didn't really know any kids in my local area. So it was, yeah, it was quite isolating, I think. I I completely agree with that because it seemed, especially going into the older years, there was cliques or groups of mm, friends that mm-hmm. have been friends since preschool. Yeah, and I didn't yeah, have yeah. that. And I was trying to force my way into groups after that. Yeah, Did yeah, that happen for so, you too? Uh, not so much in school because I suppose I had been in the same school since I was, you know, four years old or something all the way up to 18 when I graduated so I suppose I, maybe I was in the cliques and there were other people coming in but I found I actually found the people in my school weren't very clicky yeah. and were accepting of people in general like you have people who would group together based on interests like all the rugby lads would sort of you know hang out together and but they, yeah. they would people were friendly to each other uh, for the most part and people were pretty nice yeah so had a pretty good experience with school okay so that that didn't really hinder your i guess making new friends in school but no, at no. the same time you're probably bored a lot of the time yeah yeah yeah. yeah. what Absolutely. was your one boredom game because i always had <laughs> go to I, I would throw a tennis ball against the back wall of my house did yeah. you ever have no, something I've, I've, i definitely yeah i definitely had times just sitting there throwing a ball around as well that was something i did but one thing i remember in particular there's a pond out in the back garden yeah and i would just walk around the pond while thinking of things like i'd be thinking about uh, i have no idea like whatever whatever random thing had popped into my head um and i would just like do laps of this pond non-stop for ages i remember having a having a friend over at one point and we were hanging out or doing whatever and i guess we i got we gotten a bit bored and i just headed out and like started doing they were following along behind me and they were like oh, what's this thing? This is pretty weird. And I, I never even thought about it. Like, it was just something I did. Um, it didn't even occur to me that it was weird before that. And I was like, oh, I guess this is pretty weird. <laughs> was there just a trail burned into the grass going around this pond? Because you've been around No, it was, it was on the stones on the outside of the pond. So oh, it wasn't, okay. yeah, yeah. But it was, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny when you bring someone into it. Like, oh, wow, I guess it is this kind exactly. of weird, Exactly, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but you got to do something, right? Absolutely, you had to occupy your mind, so yeah. occupy your mind somehow. Yeah, and you're definitely not the type of person that stays bored for long. You always find mm. something. Yeah, yeah, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's so so that was how long do you think that period lasted? Was it mm. was it until you mentioned that cycling? You really got into cycling around 14 years. Was that yeah. really when it started to break out? Yeah. So I think another part of growing up here is there isn't really like. There wasn't really a motivation to learn to cycle in the first place because I couldn't cycle anywhere as a really young kid. Mm. And yeah, there was nothing really to do on a bike. Like if you go around my front garden and that was about it, like it yeah. would have been too dangerous to go out to the road. Uh, but when I was about 14, then I decided to learn how to ride a bike and my mom took me down to a local park and we I cycled around this park uh, like every day for a week or something, slowly getting less wobbly and less steady. And I think immediately after that, I joined the cycling team 
or cycling club really at my uh, school. So then they went out on fairly long cycles, maybe 40 to 60 miles every Sunday. So you were um, going from wobbling on your bike to 40 or 60 miles every Sunday. Yeah, I, I, I remember my mum saying she saw me wobbling out the gate still <laughs> on the, the first cycle with the... Uh, with with the school cycling team, so it was uh, yeah, it was a pretty steep learning curve uh, learning to cycle, but then it was great because I developed a lot of confidence, I think, and developed kind of uh, a bit of fitness because I was very unfit before that and quite overweight. Um, so yeah, I think that gave me sort of better social skills and better uh, ability, more more just more confidence in general. Would you say that it gave you gave you a sort of freedom, too, because it, now you're able it, to branch it, out a lot more as well. I wouldn't, not immediately, but that came very soon after that, where uh, I was telling you in the pre-interview, I'd gone to Irish college, which is a thing we have here for learning languages. It's essentially a, a summer camp where people can only speak in Irish. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, I think it's a pretty good way to learn a language, to be honest. Like I, I got almost fluent in Irish through going to Irish college every summer for about four or five years. Uh, and then I actually met a guy who just lived across the road from me while at Irish college and we weren't even particularly good friends in Irish college, but you know, you do the thing at the end where you, everyone gets together and they say, Oh, we're going to keep in touch. Or here's my yeah, phone number. Yeah, here's my yeah. address. And he just noticed that my address happened to be a, across the road from him. So he gave literally me a, across the street. Yeah. yeah literally yeah. across the road. So yeah, he, uh, he just noticed that and decided to give me a call. We weren't even particularly close friends. Uh, when we were in Irish college, but he called me up and yeah, the guy was then my best friend for the next two or three years, probably. Yeah, and we hung out like almost every day for like a couple of summers. Wow, that's really, really lucky. So l- yeah. let's talk about this Irish college for a second, too, because mm-hmm. I, I really like the scheme of it. Basically, you it's a summer camp yeah, yeah. Sort, of, sort of thing, but you were forced. You cannot speak anything besides the Irish. Yeah. It's you, a Gaelic language? Yeah, Gaelic, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's just it's, Gaelic. It's, Gaelic it would be the word for it in Irish or in English. You just call it Irish. Okay. Um. Yeah, you, you'll be kicked out if you say a full sentence in English. So people go there knowing pretty much no Irish at all. But what you can do is say, which just means what is the Irish for? Yeah. And then half of a sentence in English. And then they'll tell you it. And then you can say, the second half of that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> and then they'll finish no, it. For, they'll tell you will the rest they of really it. kick you out if you say a full sentence? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Has, has that people, happened? People get sent home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god! Absolutely. So yeah, it's very strict. Not not all of them are that strict. The one I went to was very strict, but some of them people are basically just speaking English on the sly all the time, and they don't actually learn that much. Yeah. Uh, so I'm actually glad I went to a pretty strict one because I I learned quite a lot of Irish there. Yeah, and it's it certainly gave you a lot of confidence as well. Yeah, because I was quite a shy young guy. But then when I developed pretty good Irish skills, and I was in an environment where a lot of people. Are speaking a language they're not that comfortable with it's quite easy to be sociable and quite easy to be confident in that environment because you mm-hmm. can speak quite easily in it in and when other people maybe can't speak as easily or can't express themselves as easily yeah you so it's easy to kind of shine as a social butterfly in a way like that especially in a, a language that you you definitely have more yeah yeah when you got a, a better grasp on a language exactly you can just was that the first time you were a leader too in in, in a situation like that yeah, yeah, I would say so. I definitely, it was a stark contrast I noticed myself because I thought there was maybe something, you know, s- substantially different between the people who were maybe popular and the people who weren't popular. But then yeah. I would go there in the summer, summers and I would go from uh, the very quiet kid to one of the more most popular kids. Yeah. 
in, in basically, you know, a similar age group, similar environment, but just change of language was the only difference. Yeah. Did, did that, because conf- confidence is such a, an interesting issue for me and how mm-hmm. it comes about, how mm-hmm. you almost have to cultivate it like anything else and yeah. prove to yourself that you're yeah, yeah, able yeah. to do, set your mind to things and do things. Yeah, did, yeah, yeah. Did what you learned in the Irish college bleed over to the rest of your life? Too, when you absolutely absolutely i remember one thing that was really big uh so i think the first year i went to irish college was the last year of primary school um or the last year of primary school in my school at least my school did it slightly weirdly um where the, i think first year which is the first year of secondary school was actually in the primary school so second year was actually the first year of secondary school okay if that makes okay. sense it's kind of weird yeah um <laughs> uh, in that last year of primary school i went to Irish college and I got a really bad reputation really early on because I don't even remember what it was now but for, for some reason I got, I, got, I, got in, I got in trouble for doing some like silly things like I don't know whether it was just um basic like messing around or, or speaking English or doing doing whatever yeah um but I noticed uh that when I did things I did a few things in like be the first day or so that got me kind of a bad reputation and then everything that happened from that point on was amplified or it was assumed I was involved in making it bad or it was I just had a bad reputation so everything was blamed on me. Mm-hmm. Um, so then when I went to school the following year, I had been kind of a pretty bad student before that. I went to school the following year, I decided, okay, I'll put a lot of effort in the first you know month or so into making a really good first impression. And then after that point, literally for the rest of my school year, I was like a really like good student and people like I sort of had a really good reputation. And I think it stemmed very much from that first month where I just tried really hard, and, and then <laughs> so you and then knew and then, the system. You and then anything, the game. yeah, yeah, because anything good that happened from that point was like, oh, look, this guy's doing so good. I get, you kind of get the benefit of the doubt because anything bad that happens, yeah, just sort of gets looked over as like, oh, that's kind of out of character or strange. I remember oh, yeah, that's out of character. Exactly. For him. Yeah, 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 yeah. No way that it can be. Yeah, no way. Yeah. I remember once there was like an assembly or something in the school church. It was Catholic school, obviously. Um. And there was a few kids who had been talking or something during the assembly and they were asked to stay behind. And uh, when everyone else was getting up and leaving and these people are staying seated, one of the teachers, I, I was told to stay seated. And one of the teachers was sort of like, come on, come on, like, what are you sitting down for? Because you couldn't believe that I was told to keep, to keep yeah. seated. Like, it was just like, okay, I guess you're telling me to go. So I'll just go. And then I didn't get in trouble. <laughs> you just didn't get, because yeah. you were definitely one of the people talking, of course. I but was, you, yeah, were, yeah. you had this such angel but perception good, of you, right? I had a good you, reputation, right? so it was... <laughs> Yeah, it didn't count, basically. There's a lot of power in that, too. You can get away with a lot of things. It, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a good li- a good life lesson. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, you know, it, we, we we were also talking before that one of, one of the things I really appreciate about your mindset is you, you do understand the good in your life as well. Mm. I, I mm. think uh, gratitude is something that also needs to be cultivated, and you have that in a certain way. And maybe that is because you... Mm. you, you already understood the system like okay if i get uh, if i get into a good position then i can ride that that good position yeah, yeah, yeah. Then you start, well you know yeah. being in a good position isn't isn't so bad absolutely and, and then knowing that you know you grew up in a good position as well yeah no i think i've been phenomenally lucky um in comparison to nearly all people that have ever existed um just happened to be born at this time in this place in this family was yeah extraordinarily lucky and just um, knowing, just knowing that is really powerful because then you're just, oh, it, it's it's a happier way to be, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Understanding how absolutely. lucky you are. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I feel you because I I was in a similar situation, especially at first. 
I, I used to ridicule where I where I grew up and mm -hmm. stuff like oh mm -hmm. you know it's just it's a bubble it's it's normal and like I wanted I wanted to get out but after getting out I started to realize oh wow this is where I grew up I was extremely lucky yeah 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 absolutely yeah. absolutely yeah I, I never really had to worry or struggle like I never went to bed hungry I never had to worry about having a roof over my head I never had to worry about not getting a good education or anything like that it was tremendously yeah. lucky and before we get too too far off topic i just have to say that that's it's nice to it's nice to know because a lot of people that do have a lot of things are unhappy and that's, that's yeah. The, yeah yeah so it's a normal childhood you know it, it's pretty it, normal yeah. and i know a lot a lot of people in the u.s too realize okay it was a foreign country but just because you're in a foreign country doesn't mean that you you, you, you live life you have fun <laughs> you're a kid you're playing with yeah, yeah, yeah. with your friends you're you're walking around ponds you're you're not doing really anything out, yeah. out of the ordinary which is which is nice it's, it's nice to know that we, we can connect with most of the world absolutely especially i think the english-speaking world because america produces so much movies and tv shows american culture kind of bleeds into nearly every other english-speaking culture to a significant extent um which is i guess quite good from an american's point of view because there's a lot of similarities then uh, there's obviously still going to be differences in in culture, but yeah, definitely lots of similarities, lots of yeah, uh, and also same it, ideas. One one of the things that we've been talking about during this trip as well is the Irish culture in the U.S. is also really really strong. Of course, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. they pretty much built the uh, or that in the industrial revolution that we yeah. had was with a lot of Irish immigrants in the East Coast, even to the Midwest, is very influential in Irish mm. culture. So there is a a tie almost between our two nations as in absolutely yeah i mean a large part of the u.s population probably has irish heritage in them somewhere yeah 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 it's very common for me to meet an american and then oh i'm irish too yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. i think one of the biggest saint patrick's day parades in the world is in new york so it's uh, which makes sense yeah, yeah absolutely yeah yeah it's great so it, it, it is i guess it's nice to see too because there's a lot of as soon as I came to Ireland, it felt a little bit more like home mm -hmm. in some mm -hmm. ways. And I think that might be part of it, too, is just we were really influenced by mm -hmm. Irish culture. Yeah, well, it's, it's certainly beneficial for Ireland, you know, a small little country in Western Europe to have a big country like America, like think think highly of us or to have like a close connection with us. It's pretty, uh, yeah, it's pretty good for us. I think nice. that's for most of the world, too. Mm -hmm. or Maybe not all the world, but Europe, too. There's a lot of Irish immigrants and Irish heritage as There's well. A lot, a lot of Irish immigrants everywhere, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I suppose you go to maybe Africa or Asia, you won't get as much as you know, Australia or England or uh, America. But, yeah, you'll get them pretty much everywhere. Yeah. To, to get back to your story, it's... to And go along with the similarities between cultures, the, the, the path that you go through it follows the the high school to, to college the job and it worked for for you or you said that you, you're following this beaten path mm -hmm. but it seems like you couldn't be happier doing it or you know it, it gives you the liberties to also do the things that you want would you would you agree with that because it seems like it was really just a streamlined process yeah, yeah i think it was it was pretty streamlined in terms of you know, what I'm doing with my life or what my next goal is or what the next thing I'm working towards is. I've had setbacks along the way, obviously, as everyone has, but it's, I think just like with regards to school, up until finishing school, everything was just, you know, 
pretty I was pretty much told to do everything and it was pretty obvious what you're supposed to do yeah you go to school and you do well in your exams and you you know go to school the next day do well in those exams and keep going till you get your leaving cert and then but there was one big choice I guess coming up to leaving cert is what you're going to do in college because it wasn't really a choice as to whether or not you go to college it was just kind of assumed that yeah. you go to college um and so I did an aptitude test then in uh, the year just before my, my penultimate year of secondary school uh, and it's that I got the top five results were four different disciplines of engineering and physics so it was like mechanical engineering physics chemical engineering electrical engineering civil engineering it's pretty much as clean cut as it gets right yeah, there. yeah 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 so it was uh and, and I kind of already knew at that point I pretty much wanted to do engineering and the choice was basically I liked maths and it seemed like an interesting field to go into so it was just kind of the obvious choice uh, so the way the way the education system works here in applying for colleges, I think, is a bit simpler than in the States. So you don't have to write an application to every college you want to go to. You just get a form and list all the courses you want in order of preference in the country. And you just get whichever one is you, like you, you based on how well you do in your exams, you'll be awarded whichever preference you need. Uh, so I got my first preference and that was engineering ECD. Uh, yeah. Was, yeah, just so went, went the, along did that this is so interesting because i've talked to a ton of people that really struggle with this part of their lives it, yeah uh, this paradox of choice of what i want to do with my life but it seemed pretty straightforward for you and do, do you know why it was straightforward for you besides the fact that the system you fill out the mm -hmm. form you don't really have to choose the college and the program itself but more of focus on what you want to do was that helpful, or do you do you know why it was so easy? Uh, well, you do you do choose the college and the actual like thing you're going to be studying, but you just have you you list like of of all the uh, degrees offered in the country, you can just list them in order of preference, and you'll get whichever one based on your score. You'll get which whichever preference you earn, I suppose. Uh, I suppose I suppose as to why it was so easy, I guess it was probably luck. Like there is kind of a default plan set out there for people and I guess it's suited me where it doesn't suit everyone uh, some people you know maybe they do really well in school and end up doing medicine or something that's really hard to get into but their real passion is philosophy or art and that's what they really want to be doing with their life yeah. um, or maybe they're really would make a great doctor but they just weren't as academic in school and didn't get the grades to get into it um, or maybe they're in situations where they couldn't afford to go to college or couldn't afford a good school education or something like that, or had setbacks like that. But for me, it was the thing I wanted to do was also just kind of the obvious choice of what I should do. So it was just, I guess, yeah. I was just lucky. Yeah, I just lined up. It was lucky. It was not only a practical decision, but like you said, everything seemed to, to line up. Yeah. And to be honest, I mean, it seems like your entire life was almost this way. Things just lined up. And fell into place, it was yeah. it was fell into place, and one thing just led to the other, and you got mm -hmm. exactly what you needed at the right time, which exactly, is yeah. amazing. And yeah, attributes to your hard work, and then also the situation that that you found yourself in. But like all things, nothing's ever clean. And then in college, that's when the biggest curveball came, and your mom got really sick. Sure, yeah. So around when I started college, she started getting really sick, and uh, if she was sick for maybe three years I was probably a bit before I started college she started getting sick she was sick for about three years before she was diagnosed with terminal cancer and then another two years after that she died so I ended up taking 
uh, it was not really my intention at the time, but it was, I guess, retrospectively taking three a three-year leave of absence from college and basically took care of her pretty much full-time. We would go around and get the medication she needed and go for a walk with the dogs and, you know, make sure she's taking the right pills, making sure everything's, like, in order, basically. It wasn't a huge amount of work, but it was really... It was just kind of making sure the quality of life was high for the last yeah. few years of her life. Well, so not so just... Here, here you are, like, a young guy, where, I mean, everything has been been great and you've been working mm-hmm. through it and you're you're getting out on your own and then, and then this happens and yeah yeah so so how did you how, how did especially when the news broke and especially that it was going the other way that she was gonna lose the battle did you how did you cope with that or how did you how did you get through that tough time yeah i don't know it was especially mentally yeah yeah um I don't know if there's anything in particular I can say. Like, it was tough. Like, it was just hard. And I just spent lots and lots of time with her. And we did lots of things together. And we just tried to, you know, make the time she had left as happy as possible. Um. Yeah. And it's it's never going to be easy. Like, you just kind of... I think it, Like, it was lucky in some ways. Because we did have two years to prepare for eventually when she died. Whereas I know, like, I've had some other friends whose mother went away on a trip to France and was hit by a car, and then that's it. Never saw her again. Yeah. So it's, you know, some people will lose parents at a much younger age or in a much more tragic way. Or even, I think something, one of the hardest ways to lose a family member is through, like, a 20-year-long dementia, you know, or sink into dementia where they don't remember you and they're maybe not leading a high quality of life. And it's horrible for both the the person who's ill and for their family yeah um so yeah my mum she was maybe not capable for the whole time like she would have been quite low energy for the last year like she wouldn't have been sleeping most of the time and stuff like that but always you know she never like forgot my face or anything like that she never uh was incapable of living her life um or being happy so i just yeah spent lots of time with her and yeah stuff like that and it's going to be hard but it could have been a lot harder at the same time i think just a very beautiful way way to say it and i i I also think that maybe you got this really great concept of of time as well Mm. and would you agree with that just how finite it is yeah well i think time is the only thing that you really the only limited resource we really have like you can always make more money you can always you know, have more friends, you can always, you know, eat whatever you need, whatever stuff you need. The only thing you can really run out of is time. So that's, uh, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty valuable. Spend your time wisely. Yeah. Was there, especially, um, I mean, during this time, obviously, what what could be worse? I mean, watching one of your beloved parents like, mm-hmm. slowly, slowly go, but was there ever, and it seems like you were with it and maybe helping her really helped but was there ever a moment that really it was just the hardest you ever remember trying to think in particular like the actual i want to say the actual moment she died like i was i was here like what what i would do is she'd just be in her she'd be in her room and she'd be asleep most of the day and i would just go in and check on her periodically and 
95% of the time she'd be fine and the other 5% of the time you know she might have forgotten what medication she's taken and you go over and you say okay well you need to take this and this or she's maybe you know something's gone wrong and she's worried about it and you just talk to her about it and make sure set her set her at ease um so at this time I walked in and I actually saw her holding her phone and she was trying to ring me but she wasn't quite able to press the buttons correctly and she stopped breathing and she wasn't able to breathe so she was sort of gasping for breath um but I just luckily happened to walk in while this was happening uh, so I quickly ran and grabbed my sister and brought her down and she sort of watched her and I called uh actually I called our local doctor first for some reason and then immediately the, she told me to do the obvious thing which was call an ambulance so uh the ambulance got here pretty quickly I had to run out to the road because they couldn't find the house initially um so they came in uh and came, brought, came into the bedroom and started you know I think I gave her an IV and they started working on her in various ways and they decided okay that's all they could do while she was in the bed so they lifted her out of the bed into a wheelchair and they were saying uh when when they lifted her up I guess it was something to do with the blood flow or something which she immediately went unconscious so that was you know I didn't know at the time obviously that was the last time she was ever conscious they brought her out to the ambulance and uh tried resuscitating her um gave her some adrenaline shots and they had a like a CPR, like a CPR, like a basically pumping her chest, this big machine, and it was incredibly violent. Actually, looking at it, like this big machine pumping up and down on her chest. Um, so I was basically watching this whole process for maybe another forty minutes. Them sitting in the front drive trying to resuscitate her, and eventually they just came over and said that she had uh, her heart had stopped for about twenty minutes, and they got it going again. But if she did recover, which was very unlikely, there would be fairly severe long-term, you know, cognitive impairment and stuff like that. But then they brought her to hospital and she was declared uh, dead at the hospital. So, yeah, that was a that was a pretty rough moment, obviously, the actual for for obvious reasons. Um, Yeah, I can't think of an incident before that. For the most part, we were pretty happy, like we were, you know going out for coffee we were walking the dogs we were doing whatever we could um and just enjoying life yeah so i mean it's something that no one should ever have to go through you know to lose your mom in that way and how how did i mean i have no perception i i can't even uh, imagine but when the the next part, right? The if that next day, that next mm-hmm. week, I'm sure it was extremely hard. Was there any key ways that you moved through that? Was it just letting the grieving process take hold? Because mm-hmm. that that's a that's a big gap. That's a big loss. And yeah, so I think it was actually the next day after she died. I was booked on a flight to Thailand yeah um and I was thinking about canceling the flight because it was obvious that I was getting near the end but she was adamant that like she would have been very angry with me if I canceled this this flight I was going on a six week long holiday with some friends from college yeah um so she absolutely insisted that I go on this but it was the day before I was due to fly out that she she died so um obviously that that flight was uh cancelled then I didn't fly out the next day but about three days later 
uh, so we had the funeral and we had you know some affairs brought in order but then I just immediately went to Thailand and it was six weeks then away from home and away from everything so it was almost being in a different world yeah. for for six weeks so I think that was a kind of an I guess an interesting way to process it like I still thought about it still would have thought about her a lot but then you know what you know it would have been initially I'd be thinking about it pretty much all day long um just be on my mind um even if I was doing something else just be in the back of your head yeah. and you just gradually find it's less on your mind but you'd still think about it like every day and eventually probably about a year later I think I probably would have gone a full day without really thinking about it um and it just you just slowly slowly come to accept it and come to yeah not it doesn't it doesn't you know keep upsetting you as much yeah and i'm sure it'll never it's, it's impossible that it'll ever go away but yeah it, yeah and in in one way it's it's beautiful because i mean she meant so much to you that it's good mm-hmm. that yeah, yeah. It, you know whenever, whenever i think of her i think of the positive experiences i don't think of uh, yeah. any of the negative things yeah and i it's especially she she lives on with you what, what you said is that she got angry with you like of course you're you're going yeah. you're going to thailand and yeah it, it seems like this didn't stop you either i mean this was a major just rip almost a hole in in your life and yeah um at the same time she she was always there pushing you to go on and travel and continue on and yeah yeah it's absolutely. what she would want yeah but she really wasn't a big fan of the whole idea of me missing out a few years of college for her benefit um yeah she wasn't impressed by that at all but there was really just wasn't much of another option at the same time so she was kind of she was glad to have me around but almost upset that i was around at the same time it's like yeah you should be in college but yeah okay (laughs) yeah well i really appreciate you you sharing that with not only me but all the listeners out there and i know that i mean you know life shit happens Mm -hmm. shit happens all the time like you said a friend goes on a vacation to france and then the Mm -hmm. mom doesn't come back and yeah yeah i I guess to to wrap it to wrap this episode up um because we go through life right it was the same way that you were going through life and the way i was going through life you you Mm -hmm. follow this path and you're 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 doing the things that you're supposed to do and then you get slapped by something like this. Yeah. um, For someone else out there that maybe just got slapped with something hard or a huge like hole in their life is now, or something tragic has happened. What would you, what would you say to someone listening right now that to help them carry on or just to help in general? Oh my, I don't, I'm not really sure. I, I, I don't have all the answers, obviously. Um, I suppose, you know, when, when times, you know, if, you, if you're in a really rough time at the moment, you should just realize that it's it's going to get better. Like, it's not always going to be this hard. Um, you know, no matter what bad thing has happened, it's probably going to get better. It's probably going to, at least you'll learn to deal with it. You're not, it's not going to bother you as much in the future yeah um and then don't i suppose don't like be in denial about it you know let yourself be sad it's okay to be sad uh but just try to approach it in as healthy a way as possible and try and you know let yourself be sad feel those feelings and then eventually be able to move on with your life and 
do other things. Yeah. Especially if it's a lost relative, like they wouldn't want you wallowing in sorrow exactly. for, for months on end. Exactly. Yeah. Which is hard, obviously. But yeah, I, I think that's very powerful, especially for for men in the modern era to mm. be sad mm-hmm. about your emotions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We don't have to be happy all the time. That's, no, that's no. part of life. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, Thank you, Aiden, for coming on and sharing sharing that story. I Thank think you very much. Yeah. Incredible. And I'll be digesting it for a while. So thanks for coming on the show. And thanks for everyone listening out there uh, for listening to Oyster World Radio. And we'll talk Two, to you soon. Three, four. Thank you all for listening. This has been another episode of Oyster World Radio. And thanks again, Aiden Dolly, for coming on the show. We wish you and all the family the best with the upcoming week. Keep up to date on everything going on in the Big Sabbatical on Instagram at Nathan.Wanders and in the blog of my partner in crime, Jackie Gishbacher at Gish, G-I-S-H, outofwater.com. Check out the links in the show description for more information. Special thanks to Charlie Milliken for all of the Oyster Jams. Check him out on Spotify or at charliemilliken.com. That's M-I-L-L-I-K-I-N. Don't forget to support the show on Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E at patreon.com forward slash oyster world radio for only five dollars a month you get all of the behind the scenes plus some unique travel tips so do not miss out thanks again for tuning in to oyster world radio we'll be back in two weeks but until then this is nathan lieberman signing off i can't take control of my life if i'm too busy looking at the stars and thinking about our time that's gone by it's time for a change in my day-to-day scene. Time to turn around.